You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years old. This is Emeritus Rips with Rabbi Ruvain Yeshua Pupko. You know, we're entering, I guess, I don't know, it's not the dog days of summers, but there's a certain doldrum, I think, that uh, descends now. Shuas in the rearview mirror. Um, and we sort of like are, are, are waiting uh, for the next shoe to drop. Uh, the learning of Shruas has left us exhausted and overwhelmed by fatigue. Yes, yes. And, and, and I'm, again, you know, with all the messages and positivity, some of them we talked about last week, um, you know, I, I think we, we, we still wake up and, and look around the world. Um, you know, we want to play a role, right, Rabbi Popko, as political observers. Uh, we want to connect things to Eretz Yisrael. Um, you know, but let's start the, at the place that you know, both of us could really hold forth uh, magnificently in. Let's talk about sports. And yeah, let's talk about the NBA, because we talked about that last year. Now, we both know it's the finals are the Golden State Warriors uh, against the Boston Celtics. First of all, a little history, I believe. The Golden State Warriors were at one time the Philadelphia Warriors, I think. Oh, really? Of course, Chamberlain played for them. Chamberlain played for... Oh, Chamberlain played for them from 1959 to 65. Yes, right. So, for example, there's the Utah Jazz, right? Why are they the Utah Jazz? Can you imagine a bunch of Mormons like like sitting there, you know, you know, with trumpets and you know, and and, and duded up pianos and Fats Waller, you know, they're doing the jazz. They're, they were they were a team in New Orleans, and New Orleans couldn't support them, so Utah took them over and said, "Yeah, why don't we just call them the Utah Jazz, right?" Yeah, Memphis Grizzlies, right? Now I don't know if there's any Grizzly Bears there, but I think that they were from another part, right? They, right? they were, you know, they were. Uh, uh, I think they were in Vancouver. I think it was in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I don't think- know why teams are allowed to move. They should be allowed to move. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, which I think really shows you, they're really, you know, we don't live in the era. Yes, they were in Vancouver from 95 to 2001. Right, so there, there are probably out in British Columbia, a place where my wife is from, there's probably grizzlies that are out there. I don't know if there's that many grizzlies that have made their way down. Well, the- I've always found you, you know, very much like a, a grizzly. I was- it, it's interesting that the allegiances to teams has really dissipated completely. And I think part of it is that we aren't anymore a product of the uh, the locality. I mean, the first, the, the first people who did it, I, I mean, I don't know if it was the first. I shouldn't say that. But the most prominent departure were the, the Dodgers and the Giants out of New York. I mean, that's right. That's right. And, and and why were they called the Dodgers? So we all the Dodge, they, the, I think dodgeball in Brooklyn or because it they wasn't dodgeball. They, they were the subways. They were dodging something. They were dodging. They were, you're right. It wasn't subways. That would be that would be quite that's insane. today when you dodge subways. That would be insane dodging the subways. Cars. They were dodging street cars. Yes, they were dodging street cars. Right, so, right. That's what it was. Yeah. From Brooklyn, it was a sign of youthful exuberance that the kids were out on the streets dodging right. street cars, running all over the place. Brooklyn was this place of frenetic activity frenetic this- that's a good word frenetic activity yes put that in your rabbinic let's i will i will i will i will focus on yes yes freneticism yes yes <laughs> fanaticism and freneticism the difference but the dodgers but you, you, i don't know did you read the book by roger Kahn, the boys of summer 
about um, the Dodgers, you know, Roy Campanella, Duke Snyder, and all those guys? Look, the Dodgers, you know, were definitely a, a team that in many ways encapsulated the Brooklyn mentality, right? right. Forget about it. Brooklyn is, we're not, uh, we're lower class. We're not, really Martin, uh, yeah. right, right, right? The Yanks, although technically in the Bronx, were much more of a upper class right. uh, organization. The Dodgers, but the Dodgers left in the 50s. People were devastated, but they also broke the color line. They brought in Jackie Robinson, who, by the way, spent his one year in the minors here in my beloved city of Montreal. Yes, in Montreal. Yes, we yeah, are. A little statue of him outside the Olympic Stadium. Yes, yes, yes. And again, let's not forget, of course, the great Montreal Expos, who I think ended up going somewhere. Where did the Expos end They're up? They're the Florida Marlins. Yes, that's well. See, that makes sense, right? Right, because Canadians like to vacation in Florida, so it makes yeah, sense. Right. And it also makes sense, of course, that also Pete yeah, Rose yeah. was here for a time. People uh, forget Pete Rose was here part of the Montreal. Was, was an expo. He was an expo. Yeah, yeah. And Gary let's, Carter. Let's talk about what the expo was. The expo was the the exposition for a hundred years of Canadian, I guess, country. Nineteen fifty-seven. There was the Montreal. Yes, I remember that. Yes, that stadium. It was a horrible stadium, still standing. Was the home of the Expos. I used to go. I mean, I mean, they originally played in Jarry Park, uh, owned by our good friend Charles Bronfman. His son, Stephen, who's a great guy, was trying to bring them back to Montreal, or bring a team, I should say, to Montreal. That was just Nick's oh. money. Which is, which is, again, an interesting, you know, again, I find it fascinating because when we talk about the incursion of American influence, no one is like Quebec and putting up those shields of protection, right. and yet, oh, we want baseball. There's nothing more American than baseball. It's the most, it's the quintessential American sport. Absolutely. And of course, it in, in a way, uh, we're going to get to basketball back again in a minute, because I think basketball surpassed it in terms of the exporting of a, of a game. But for a while, baseball was the ultimate American export. And of course, it took over Japan. I mean, right. post but nowhere else. I mean, but nowhere else. It didn't ever catch on. No, no, but, but in the islands of the Dominican and yeah, uh, yeah. South the, America, it be, baseball really became Nicaragua, Panama. Yes, yes. So, know. right, and, and again, it had a certain, I guess, grace to it, and 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 they were able to bring up some of the greatest talent. Obviously, Roberto Clemente and others. Well, I, I don't mention his name. It breaks my heart to this day. Yes, yes. The greatest, probably the greatest pirate of all time. Uh, but, but again, I guess what we're trying to talk about is that, you know, kids grew up with teams. You're right. The Dodgers moving, not only did the name not make sense, but the idea that the owners decided it's all about making money. And the truth is, even though this was the fan base that built the uh, franchise, California is where the money is, it's where television Hollywood was, it's where people will be more often. And because of the weather in California, uh, they were able to play more games, build bigger stadiums, have more space. So the connection to, 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 to place became insignificant. You know, you could probably go, again, we talk about Montreal, you know, I, I'm in Maryland here. I'm sure that if I go to the mall, uh, not far from Frederick, Maryland, where I'm at, there's probably going to be a plethora of different baseball caps or various teams. The idea of an affinity to a, a place has really, uh, you know, diminished, uh, if, if not been eliminated. Uh, well, again, we talk, let's talk about the Celtics for a minute. Um, you know, Boston, I would assume the reason, of course, they're the Celtics or the Celtics, which probably the more <laughs> proper way to pronounce it is because 
right? It's because of all the Irish immigrants that 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 really shaped Boston. But before you move on, you're you're in the address of the most notorious move of 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 a professional sports team when the when the Colts moved to Indianapolis in the middle of the night. Remember that story? Okay, you're right. Well, I am close to Baltimore, and uh, Jim Ursay, uh, or it was his father, decided we're gonna we're, we're gonna bolt. Um, yeah. yeah, they packed up the trucks in the middle of the night and escaped to Indianapolis. Yeah, right. It, it, it took, but then they got another team. They got the Ravens. Yeah, which, and the Ravens are really the Browns, by the way. Right, and the Ravens are really the Browns. The Ravens are the Browns, and the Browns become the Browns, and the Ravens. I, I, I would say that for these teams that sort of like recreated themselves, I think the Ravens did a tremendous job of, of, of becoming a personality with a team. Right. Right. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, also being semi, yeah, I mean, Success covers a lot of the pain. And, no, but but part of what the Ravens were, we're tough. We're like the Raiders right. without being as violent and ugly. But we are tough and strong, and we're going to belt you and punch you in the face. Right. That that was part. I mean, of they it. had the bad luck of being in the division with the Steelers, and the Steelers would regularly destroy them, except occasionally. And uh, so that was. But listen, Pittsburgh is now the worst team probably in that division, depending on what happens to Deshaun Watson, who has a Robert Kraftian pro- problem with getting massages uh but um yes you know right look look pittsburgh i I would say you know of the teams that seem to reflect their city the best and their background the best again it's obviously a lot of his media uh, montages and garbage but the idea of the working class steel city pittsburgh i think still has that but also i'll tell you something being, you know, from Pittsburgh and living in Montreal, there's something very similar about seeing a hockey game in Montreal and a football game in Pittsburgh. There's something very, because when you sit in the stands in Montreal at a hockey game, you're sitting around people, most of whom have played the game, right? <laughs> or are related to people who played you're right, it. You're right. And, 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 and I don't mean just played it as little kids in the street. I'm talking about high school league, you know, this kind of stuff. They got up at four in the morning and traveled. All these, you know, Mont, you know, Hockey is, is, is you know, right. and the Aliquippa Valley right. uh, area of, of, of Pennsylvania is really the, it's almost like the Mesopotamia. Right. Of, so of, you have, you have everybody from, from Joe Namath to Dammer, you know. Is, is, Montana. Is, Montana was from there. Montana's, I mean, so in Pittsburgh, you go to a game in Pittsburgh, all the guys sitting around you are either have or very close to people who've played high school football, college ball. They all know the game. I mean, when they look at this, uh, you know, at the field, they know, you know, what the defensive scheme is. They know. And it's a very different experience watching with a group of fans who are knowledgeable. I mean, you go to a hockey game. I've done this. Go to a hockey game in Florida, right? There's always a game against the Canadians around Christmas break because there's so many, uh, you know, Canadians down there. So they always have a game against the Leafs and a game against the Canadians for the, for the tourists. And they don't know anything about hockey. I think that was a problem in California for a while um, that the Californians really didn't really care that much. It was just something to go to and basically get it. Um, and but you go to a football game in Pittsburgh, these guys know everything. I mean, you're sitting around guys and they're t- you can hear the conversations. Yeah. They know everything. I would say the, look, look, the NFL was created out of the Midwest. It, it it boggles the mind that one of the most um, 
successful NFL franchises is still in a city that barely has 100,000 people, which is, of course, Green Bay. Right. And, 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 and again, you hear you have, uh, obviously, football is everything in Green Bay. Uh, the, the, the sermons on Sunday always conclude way early in order for people to make it. You I've know, been, you ever been in Green Bay for a game? I was in Green Bay once for a game. Yeah, that it is, is it is remarkable. That is the shrine. The, the no, it feels like the last time I felt like that was when I was in Mecca for the Hajj. It, it's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, no, I, it's, I went. I went to Lambeau in the summer once. It's uh, unbelievable. But the, I, I went when the Packers were were terrible. A, a, a period where you know they had sunk so low, and I think this was 1987 uh, when I went to up to Lambeau oh, yeah. Field. And uh, I took two students of mine along with me. I was visiting, going to the to the practice area. That's where I was able to see. Oh, yeah. And I saw the listlessness of the players. I went to the local Kmart because I didn't want to buy uh, stuff in the Packer Pro Shop. I figured I'll go to the Kmart. I could probably get some Packer stuff uh, much cheaper. And everyone was so down on them. There was a depression that descended on the city. And, you know, it's it's clear that, this phenomena is unique and unusual. Um, and, and we go back again to Boston. You know, Boston was the tough, a gritty uh, urban city. Uh, it, again, we always had the uh, aristocratic mindset of what Massachusetts was. Uh, but I think it is interesting. I'll tell you something that happened to me last night. So we're down in Mincha. We learned between Mincha Meyer. Then somebody said, somebody said, somebody who comes occasionally to show says he's a chiyav. He had yard site last night, but he was wearing a New England Patriots t-shirt. And I told him we have a rule in the show that, you know, anybody wearing a New England Patriots t-shirt cannot dive it for the omen. I said, you'll have to please, you know, I'd rather you remove the shirt and be bare chested than wear the, <laughs> I didn't ever let him dive in, which I regret, I, I deeply regret, but I did, I did order the gabai after davening to have a, a stack of Steeler T-shirts available uh, in case this ever comes again. Well, you know, again, you know, obviously, <laughs> I think what you're saying, you know, it reflects your own um, uh, intransigence, but uh, it, it's still a very good story because I think it, it, it highlights the fact that the city of Boston has the idea of the Irish immigrants, but also the idea of patriotism, because that is really, in, in a way, where the ideas that shaped our country began and the ideas of Lexington uh, and Concord in terms of fighting against the British. So you have the football team uh, and you, that was known as the Boston Patriots, and then you have the basketball team who were the immigrants, the plucky. And, right. and, and I think... But, but again, no matter how much Boston loves basketball and hockey and football, there's something about the Red Sox hold on the imagination of that city that's really unbreakable. I remember when... I think it was the first Super Bowl they won with Tom Brady. That's redundant, but the first Super Bowl they won. And there was a, I think it was the first one, and there was a parade in downtown Boston celebrating the Super Bowl victory. And for reasons that no one could really explain, all of a sudden the chant came up from the audience, Yankees suck. <laughs> I mean, there's... Yeah, well, part, yeah, part of it, I think, is the sting of the Bambino's curse and yeah. other things that... You know, it's so many years that the Yanks would humble them. But, but it was a Jew. It was a Jew who saved the Red Sox and the Cubs from their losing streaks. It was Theo Epstein. Mm-hmm. Brought right. a title to the, the Red Sox and to the Cubs. 
finally, after all those years. Theo, <laughs> Theo did it. Theo's the Jew. Theo did it. Now, again, I think we, we have, I think, explored this, but the, the immigrant roots of basketball and the fact that Jews played such a large role in understanding that there needed to be some sort of bridge sport, and, which, and, and it's true, really, for years, especially uh, you know, in, in the light of Magic and, and Bird and Michael Jordan, um, basketball did become, in a way, the most international of American sports. Um, and even in terms of not just like they're playing it in Japan or they're playing it in Europe, we are actually using their talent, whether it's Dirk Nowitzki or, or others, uh, or Giannis that we've spoken about, we, we, it's really become a, a, a real international sport and also a sport that I think the players have the greatest agency, right? The players, you know, in, in football, we're always hearing about the owners. In basketball, LeBron calls the shots, you know? The players, Clay Thompson, uh, Steph Curry, the coaches get fired summarily. Look, look, you know, LeBron might be the greatest player of all time. I haven't really watched him a lot. I do know that... Um, it, it still echoes me how he got rid of our, uh, what was the name of the Jewish coach that, that was there? Um, David? Right, right, right. Right. And, and it really doesn't make a difference, like who was coaching them, right? The, the main thing is you have to wear a nice suit and walk around the sidelines. Like, that's really what it's about. And, 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 and you think about it, the Celtics, again, he was a player, but really Red Arbaugh. You know, uh, I don't know if he's related to Shlomo Zalman, but I'm sure that somewhere. They were Bruce's. Yes, yes. Red or about this, the Celtics for, in our childhood were the Yanks uh, and everything yeah. wrapped up. Listen, a, I mean, listen, we talked about it before, but, you know, basketball until integration was a Jewish sport. And, and even and even when players started becoming into the into the into the sport. You know, I, I think it was something, you know, Jews, George Meekin and others, a great uh, center for the Minneapolis Lakers, which of course makes sense as well. Talk about the Lakers, you know, Los Angeles is about the ocean. It's about Malibu. It's not about a lake, right? Right, right, right. The Lakers, besides the alliteration, the name is, is ridiculous. In Minneapolis, it made sense because Minnesota is the land of 10,000 lakes. 10,000 lakes, yes. Yes, <laughs> California. It's like, yeah. Wait, let's, but, but I want to talk about the Celtics just for a minute. You know, the Celtics were dominant till the Lakers really challenged them. Right. It was almost like a cakewalk, you know, the Celtics. Uh, and, and even though you're right, it was a white sport in many ways, it still featured probably one of the great uh, African-American black stars was Bill Russell, who was much more than just um, a, a beefy, strong, uh, you know, point scorer. He was a brain. Bru right. Russell, Russell, Russell was something else. He was a player coach. I mean, I saw him go up against someone who physically um, overmatched him completely. I saw him against Chamberlain often. And, and, and he was able to get the best of someone who had three inches, three or four inches on him, and probably a, you know, as well. He did it with muscle. He did it with speed. He did it with craftiness. Um, and, we, and I think the, the, the image of that team, a Black, a Jew, an Irishman, um, a, a, a Slav. You talked about, before we started recording, we talked about John Havlicek, who was, you know, the ultimate uh, man off the bench, right? Um, there was just something about rooting for that team, even though they, they were that great. Um, 
which I, again, it's unfortunate that, that I guess we don't care. Bill Russell won, I think it was eight straight champions, championships, I mean, 58 and 65 or something like that. Yeah. yeah it was incredible the run they had. Yeah, right. Um, again, they're, they're, so, I, you know, look, part of it is you and I getting old and we don't have enough time. And who, when you're a child, you, 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 you idolize the sports figures and, and you make more of the past than perhaps it really is. But I think there is something about the, 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 the fact that the ratings everywhere are down. The fact that people aren't really following sports the way they used to. Um, again, Pittsburgh and Green Bay excluded. Um, it really isn't, uh, you know, and I think part of it, I mean, you've, we've talked about how dissonant the voices are, how there's so many options uh, of what to do and what to think about, where to go. But I, I think I mourn that specifically in basketball, I think, uh, more than in other sports. Look, Listen, it, there's no question that the uh, frenetic, to use your word, movement of players from team to team. That it hurts loyalty. There's no question. I mean, when we take a guy like George Brett, spent his whole life with one team. You flipped over his Kansas, baseball card. The Kansas City Royals. Right. Kansas City, his whole life. I mean, Roberto Clemente. These guys, Red Roethlisberger. I mean, he's, you know, how, how many quarterbacks stay even on, on one team today? Mm-hmm. And um, that's unusual. And the loyalty you build up, you know, in a fan base by having a certain amount of consistency is not possible today in sports like Pittsburgh and, and like sports like baseball. Because the Pittsburgh, which is, you know, doesn't have a lot of money, the Pirates, they get good players like Andrew McCutcheon for a couple but of years. Le- 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 and I go back to LeBron. Again, he's really the symbol of that. Where, look, I'll go here. I'll win it. You know, we'll get in the I'll go to Miami. I'll go to L.A. I'll go to Cleveland. Right. Yeah. So really, it's really the person over the the space, the place, I mean, LeBron, they say, has done an incredible amount of uh, of neighborhood building and going back and giving to the community that spawned him uh, over there in Akron, Ohio. But I'm not really talking about going back to his to your roots. The idea of a player representing a place, you know, we talk, in, in, you know, we are rabbis. We got to talk about Hank Greenberg and how Detroit, like, like Detroit Judaism, and Hank Greenberg became almost solidified as one. Yeah. And um, I, look, you know, it, you know, it, it would have made sense, I think, had, had the Dodgers not moved for Koufax to stay in Brooklyn. But it's not true. It was a lot of great. Uh, yeah, well, you know, like, like I said, you know, I, I actually it sort of echoes me a little bit when I see in many uh, Jewish newspapers and magazines where they'll have a section about how the Jews have been doing. Right, right. <laughs> how, how the, how the, what's going on with the Jews? Uh, to me, it's more you know of a phenomenon. You know, look, when Rakefet decided to give a whole sheer on the greatness of Dimaggio, you know, I don't know if you realize that he gave a whole sheer about what Dimaggio meant and what it meant to the Jewish life of you know, you know, of, you know of, of life in in New York at the time. Um, yeah, again, it, I would just like forget about. Okay, you're right. Jews were involved. Let's just talk about the fact that. You know, we are such a transient country. Um, people, again, you've been 40 years in Montreal or in Canada. Uh, none of us are where we started. And, and, and I think when we see it in the sports names, the sports teams, I, I think it sort of like shows us that you know, the world is not the world that, that we started with. It's not, you know, I, I go to, when I go to Memphis, and I sometimes fly into Nashville, and I see 
that most, you know, there's a 30, 40% immigrant population, which I applaud. It's great. But it's not I, your city anymore. No, it doesn't feel like we do. Does it feel that people don't like? Listen, I'm not saying people. Some people find change very painful and difficult. Right, and and I think part of it is is trying to figure out that in this world where people move so quickly and suddenly, um, does it really make sense to say this is what our city stands for? This is what we're about. Everything is so multifaceted. That's why you know when the Washington Football Team had to come up with a name. Could you come up with anything blander than the commanders? We are the commanders. We're the Washington command. Look, Redskins definitely was not the thing to say. I think the idea, I think they should have done Shuva by calling themselves the Washington Crackers. The, the Crackers. Yeah, that would have been funny. In other words, because Washington is still a southern state. So yeah, they should have called themselves the Crackers. Right, the Rednecks. Right, the Rednecks. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, you know, we were talking before we started recording. I, I mentioned um, when you talked about your basketball career, uh, I, I mentioned the great Wes Unsell, who to me, you know, really represented, uh, you know, a, a great black sports figure, but also a guy who was six eight, who played center and was able to really through muscle to to really do great. Everyone remembers when um, I think Kareem had a, a sprained a, a ankle and Magic played center. You might remember that game. Yeah, right? Sure. Right. But Wes Unseld was Magic playing center consistently. And when you, when you went up against Unseld, it wasn't a cakewalk. He was, he, was, he was brawn and power, and he was able to play center that way, sort of like a schoolyard bully, but really nobody can get past him. And I was thinking, you know, what was the team he played for? The Baltimore <laughs> Bullets, right? right? Here you have the, one of the most dangerous cities, Garrison Boulevard, right? We know it, right? That's the reason why they fled the, our, our alma mater. They fled from the Bullets of Garrison, right? When people were being shot in the streets. It was such a, but, you know, doesn't that make more sense than the Wizards, right? Like, we are the Washington Wizards. What a great alliteration. What does that mean? Who, why would they call themselves the Wizards? Right, right. Here, what is that? Right, right. We, we have a country. Is Washington the seat of democracy? Oh, but it's about magic. It's, <laughs> yes, we are the law. We're just going to wave our wand, and the law is going to disappear and become what we want it to be. You know, okay. <laughs> the senators made sense, okay? The Washington senators made sense, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, these guys, you know, do, you know, for some reason, like, the senators, there was a certain power to it. They should have called themselves the, uh, they changed the name of the football team, it should have been the uh, the Washington Congressional Interns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think another time, you know, sort of like throwing up our hands, we don't know what we are, is sort of like, you know, like, you know, the Dallas Texans was one of the old AF uh, or the Houston Texans, right? Okay. Well, you're right. Maybe a Texan has a certain personality, but what does that mean? Right. You know, Texas, although people say it's the ultimate uh, red state, I don't know. Austin doesn't seem to be that way and and other places. Uh, So, you know, where else do we have another one where it's the, um, um, what are the Eagles? Philadelphia Eagles I like. Okay, well, let's talk about bird names for a minute. Like, right, the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks. Right, right, okay, but that's sort Baltimore of like... Orioles, the St. Louis Cardinals. Right, so part of it, look, the truth is, if my eyesight was better, and I didn't have such a, like, a, like a, a little voice in my head saying, go and learn, you idiot, I would love to be a birder. 
I would love to go yeah. out. Yes, really, because I've known you for decades. I didn't know you were a uh, closet yeah. bird watcher. Yes, I'm a closet. I would love. I need. I need my eyes to be better. And like I said, if I had, birds are fascinating, and the fact that they migrate and, and and not only are they beautiful in terms of their their song, but I understand. Okay, so therefore, you know, you don't have to live anywhere because hawks are everywhere in the United States. Right. <laughs> I don't know if they're more in Georgia than any place else. Uh, the hawk. So birds with their migration, you could have them anywhere. Um, we have the pelicans also. There was a team the pelican. No, we don't really. Okay, but those it, it wouldn't make sense to call them the, the. It wouldn't make sense to call them the Indianapolis pelicans, right? I don't think there's many flying over, you know, the inner Indianapolis Speedway. But why were the why were the Baltimore? Why were they called the Colts before they moved to the? What did Colts have to do with Baltimore? Okay, so first of all, Maryland is actually a very, uh, as you know, uh, I'm here in Frederick right now, and uh, not far from me is uh, a huge expanse of of, of, of of greenery. And, you know, we look at Maryland as a real uh, crowded uh, state, but it really was a place of a lot of horses were raised here. Horse, horse raising was something that, you know, happened in Maryland quite a bit. Um, and uh, if you've ever seen the 1956 uh, film Giant with Rock Hudson, it actually starts in Maryland where he goes to Maryland. I like, you know what name I always like? What's that? He goes to Maryland to buy a horse. Horse, right, right. So horses were raised here. Colts made sense as far as that goes. Um, I like the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, Bulls are good because again, it's it, it, Chicago is you know is is, is known for its uh, cattle auction, and uh, so you have the Bulls. I like I always like Chicago. Yes, yes, the 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 slaughter yards of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. The, the bulls, that's not a band. Look, the bears and, and were really meant to to sort of like leech off of the cubs. They were supposed right. to, right, right. However, you know, the bears, because of their personality and because, <laughs> look, they're around for a long time and they did have periods where they could be dangerous. So right. I would say, I would say the bears make sense. But you're, I, I think bird names are a cop out. But you can understand every place has got birds, although, you know, you know I, I'm not sure. Look, the cards in St. Louis are, are, are probably one of the um, greatest uh, teams associated with the city as well, right? Right, that's true. And, and, and we've talked about how no, I mean, they had the greatest, uh, what was it called, the, the, the greatest show on turf. Right. And they could not keep the Rams. They couldn't keep oh, That was shocking to me when Kurt Warner and the championship and then they, Left the city in Arizona. Right. And I think part of it is because baseball meant so much. I'm going to go out on a limb and say part of the reason why St. Louis loves baseball is because it's the most temperate city really in the United States. Oh, that's interesting. No, it's right in the middle. And going out to the ballpark is great. Um, you know, there are places in other areas, even in, in Boston and in the, in, the, in, the, in the east, where in the spring it's cold to sit out there. It's, it's uncomfortable and, and it gets too hot in other places. So I think that's part of the reason why the cards meant something. Another reason, another reason I think about the cards is that, and, and this was, I think, David Halberstam's book when he talks about the, the 1964 World Series where you had the cards against the Yanks, which was the old and the new because the, the cards represented new baseball. They had a large amount of African-American players some of the greatest of all time, Bob Gibson, of course, you know, his father was one of the greatest black players of all time. 
But yeah. Gibson, I've he, again, I've never seen a pitcher as as, Bob as Gibson was the best. That's incredible. I mean, you, can, you can debate Gibson and Koufax, but uh, no, no, Koufax. But also, incredible. You know what? You have to be scared when Gibson went. Gibson was a killer. When Gibson batted, you have to be scared. Yeah. Gibson because, was something else. There's nothing like Gibson today. Yes. And and in general, the team you had Lou Brock. Oh. Yeah, Brock, and you had someone who could field like Kurt Flood. And, and, and the people behind the, the management were able to, to trade and get Vita Pinson and other people on their team. The cards were a really a wonderfully managed team. And I understand why they were, they represented the Yang to, to the Yanks in. And it makes sense that, that they can't really. Who was the, the, the big rabbi in St. Louis for me? Um, rabbi Eisenstein. Yeah, Eisenstein, yeah. Yes, the chief rabbi of St. Louis. It's yeah, he was the Masada Gittin in St. Louis. His Gittin were famous because in the middle of a get, his wife would always walk in offering everybody tea while they were sobbing and miserable. Somehow this became very famous. I see. I see. <laughs> he, was, he was a chsidish, he was a zidish. Yeah, yeah. And it no, makes no, sense. No. Well, St. Louis, by the way, is interesting. We talk about the traditions in, in baseball. By the way, my cousins were very big, you know, big there, the Raskis family. Yes, yes. A lot of cream cheese coming out of there. And yeah, that was my great-grandmother's recipe that they took, and I got no residuals. Yes, but, but it looks like you've been taking advantage of it, though. I, can, I eat, but I don't get the profits. <laughs> but, what, you know, we talk about, again, St. Louis, sort of like Boston and, and Pittsburgh in a way. Uh, they, they do like their titles because, you know, they were one of the last cities to have a chief rabbi uh, right. functioning there, uh, Rabbi Eichenstein. And in fact, right, I can see, yes. Right. In fact, they actually offered uh, the chief rabbinate to the Malbin in Europe. Right. Uh, he was he was offered to come to St. Louis. Can you imagine the Malbin in St. Louis? Right. It's yeah, yeah. it's sort of like you know what? Yeah. Um, Malbin could have been in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, and and he and, could have been a Cardinal fan. Who knows? Yes, yes, that would have been an interesting. Be- he would have told us the exact difference between a Cardinal and an Oriole. And right. a <laughs> he would have been able to tell you why. <laughs> The Shayer Jamilin. Well, look, I, I would say this conversation was probably the most important one. I would say it was a sound. I believe that a hundred years from now, scholars will be dissecting each sentence and phrase. Yes, yes, and they will be working frenetically to be able. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. To be able to be like, all right, take care, everybody. Play ball, pitch it out. Go Celtics. Take care, everybody. Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.